situation. He took a pitch in the back. He got beat for crying out loud. Who used heart attack? Me. Managers on a major league baseball team don't make decisions. Could have done without that. Credibility in this situation is worse than losing your job. Was it over when the Chargers bombed Pearl Harbor? The castration of the major league baseball managers. We know it. Ask me about my win Longtime Major League Baseball first baseman Eric Hosmer announces his retirement. There's two memories that come in my head. Uh, every time I hear the guy's name, I'm always going to remember. The first one is the 2015 World Series Game 5. Um, one out, Hosmer on second base, ground ball hit to beleaguered Mets third baseman David Wright, who wants to make sure he gets everything done mechanically to throw the ball to first base. You know, his, he's got spinal stenosis and his back is killing him. Makes the play, runners out, Eric Hosmer goes around third base, and if it wasn't for an atrocious throw by Lucas Duda, the simplest thing, throw the ball to home plate, um, even if he threw it like 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 the first baseman on uh, Major League, you know, uh, you know Vukovic's character, you know, there, there would have been, it, it would have been able to get him at home plate, and, you know, obviously... That game would have been over. The Mets would have won game five. I don't think they would have won the World Series anyway, but I'll always think of Hosmer scoring on that play that Lucas Duda uh, could have made a basic throw to home plate. The other one is the free agent contract he signed with the San Diego Padres. And you know you can't fault the player. You can't fault the player for going out there and getting the most money that he possibly can. But I really do think that Hosmer's contract with the Padres um, set Major League Baseball free agency back a little bit. And if you look at the next couple off seasons, if, if you weren't an all-star, elite, top you know, five player, uh, Bryce Harper, Manny Machado, you probably weren't getting anywhere near what you were worth. And I think baseball owners kind of um, you know, compensated on the other side and used, con- used Hosmer's contract against other free agents down the road. And, you know, that eight-year, $136 million deal he did with the Padres, yes, the Padres at the time were willing to spend money, and they chose to spend it on the wrong person. And by the time, you know, and Hosmer still has time left on his contract, you know, it's not eight years yet since he signed that deal with the Padres, but you knew pretty much after signing that that deal wasn't going to hold up long-term. The only thing that was going to make that a very good signing was if the Padres started winning championships or competing for a World Series championship year in and year out, and they were unable to do that. i got a couple of things that I want to get off my chest as it applies to the sport of basketball. In the first one, you think of the Brooklyn Nets, and the Brooklyn Nets going through a bad stretch, sitting there with the 11th best record in the Eastern Conference. Right now, if the season ended today, they'd be on the outside looking in. They wouldn't even get an opportunity for the, the play-in tournament. And you, you look at it, listen, this is a team that doesn't have Kevin Durant, doesn't have Kyrie Irving. They've obviously pared down the talent after trying to put together that super team a couple of years ago. But you know, if you look at, at the Nets and the talent that's there, I mean... I'm not shocked that they they sit where they sit record-wise. So they make the decision to fire Jock Vaughn. And you look, and I keep saying this as it applies to the world of sports, the teams that make the most coaching changes 
usually have a hard time winning championships. You usually have a hard time uh, being competitive year in and year out. And I believe that teams that consistently change their coaches and in baseball managers, you know, there's a reason that they're towards the back of the field, that they're not making the playoffs year in and year out. And the Brooklyn Nets, you know, got a little bit of a, uh, I think, a hierarchy crisis. Because if you're a coach, if you're the coach of the Brooklyn Nets, who's really running a show? Kenny Atkinson was forced out by Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant. Steve Nash, who was a Hall of Famer. Steve Nash should earn the respect of the star player of today. Because he was the star player of yesteryear. And I'm not saying he was Michael Jordan, but Steve Nash was a really good player, probably within the top five amongst point guards in the history of the National Basketball Association. And he was treated like a pile of shit. And, you know, the fact that it was, whether it was Kevin Durant or Kyrie Irving or whoever, whatever players were running the show, I said at the time, I said when Atkinson was fired, you should make Kyrie Irving the head coach. I said when Nash was fired, you should make Kevin Durant the head coach. The NBA has a problem because its stars are the biggest element of the team. The stars are bigger than the coach. The stars are bigger than the general manager. But when it comes to the Nets, who exactly is the star of this team? Mikel Bridges is a good player, but I'm not ranking him in my top 10 or 20 or probably even 30 when it comes to the greatest players in the National Basketball Association. I don't think Mikel Bridges is single-handedly taking over a game. He's not going to be the reason solely that a team gets to the playoffs. If I'm building a big three, I, I, I hate to say it, I'm, I'm not squeezing Mikel Bridges in as one of my big three. So I bring him up, I bring Cam Thomas up, I bring Nick Claxton up, I bring Cameron Johnson up. These are all veteran players. Are any one of these players... The ones that are giving consent over whether they believe in Jock Vaughn as the head coach? Because they, you hear that the players weren't happy. Who gives a shit if the players are happy? It's a coach. It's your friggin' boss. Most people aren't happy with their boss. But you know what? In, in, in the rest of the world, the, the average worker doesn't have the ability to fire their boss like players in the NBA get a chance to do. And if you're a star player in the NBA, it, it, it's almost understandable to a point. You want LeBron James to be happy with his he head coach. You want the likes of you know Kevin Durant even to be happy. But who is Mikal Bridges? Who is Cam Thomas? Who is Nick Claxton and Cameron Johnson? What gives them the authority to determine that it's time to move on from their head coach? I got a problem with that. And we know that basketball is a player's league. It's run by the players. I'm, I've said for a couple of years that I'm surprised that there's not more player coaches in the NBA because it's the players that are calling the shots. You, you can't tell me that a star player can't be the head coach of a team like Bill Russell was you know, towards the end of his career with the Boston Celtics. You get a couple really good assistant coaches that work around some X and o, X's and O's, but the bottom line is the team goes through the stars anyway, which continues to blow my mind when I'm thinking about the Brooklyn Nets. Who is the star on that team? Who is the one that's calling the shots over the head coach? Who has the uh, autonomy to undermine the head coach position on the Brooklyn Nets? The other one has to do with the Milwaukee Bucks. And I'm going to start out by saying, and I'll get back around to the point, 
I think the Bucks made a mistake when they fired head coach Mike Budenholzer last offseason. I understand it was an extreme move. I think it was something that maybe was felt necessary by general manager John Horse. This was a team ranked number one, the number one seed in the playoffs. They lost in the first round to the Miami Heat. Uh, I think it would have taken a little bit, um, a little bit more pause to just sit back and reflect. And yes, it sucks to be the best team in the Eastern Conference and lose in the first round. There has to be accountability, and I understand that. But you had a head coach that led you to an NBA championship in 2021. The Bucks were the NBA champions, and a lot of it had to do with the ability to coach that Mike Budenholzer brought to the table. Now, I understand the decision. Listen, you're, if you hold yourself to high standards, you shouldn't be getting bounced in the first round when you got the number one seed. But you hire Adrian Griffin, it looks like that was a little bit of a mistake. 30 and 13, by the way, it's not like he, he was, you know, the record was bad. They make the decision to move on from him to Doc Rivers. Doc Rivers takes over uh, during a time where they have a rough part of their schedule coming up. You know, Doc Rivers has got what? Uh, 300 winning percentage in 10 games as a head coach of the Milwaukee Bucks. I'm not ready to bail on Doc, but I'll tell you this. Doc Rivers' reputation, when I think of him 20 years from now, if you know, hopefully I'm around to talk about it, but as time goes by, when I remember Doc Rivers as either a good head coach or a bad head coach, it's going to have to do with what happens here in Milwaukee. Because he won early on in Boston, but then has gone to other teams and has not delivered. The players around him has not delivered. Doc Rivers has not distinguished himself as a really good head coach, except in 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 a circle of you know team executives when it comes to general managers and owners. Hey, Doc Rivers, a recognizable name. He's always going to come to the forefront. If things don't work out in Milwaukee, I'd be shocked if he didn't get another job in the NBA relatively soon. He is he is he's got that name presence to him. Outside of that. He has proven nothing since the time that he was the head coach of the Boston Celtics. So the Bucs are in a situation where they got, obviously, a ton of talent. Everybody wants to go play for the Milwaukee Bucks. Pat Beverly can't wait to go play for the Bucs. Uh, Delano Gallinari can't wait to play for the Milwaukee Bucks. Jay Crowder bitched and complained last year because he wasn't a starter with the Phoenix Suns. Um, held out half a season so he could come off the bench for the Milwaukee Bucks last year. A lot of people, a lot of players want to play there because they think that's the place to go to win a championship. Obviously, Damian Lillard's there. You know, they're in a position where if they get it together, all they got to do is play well in the playoffs. You know, nobody's expecting the Milwaukee Bucks to miss the postseason this year. So they actually have a little bit of time to get it together. But I'm telling you, I'm looking at it right now, and maybe they turn it around, maybe they go on a run. Uh, maybe they get it going at just the right time once the playoffs start. Think of the Miami Heat last year. You know, the Miami Heat is not have not been a real regular season team, but they've been a postseason team. And there's a couple teams out there that don't really care where they end up in a regular season. When the when it's playoff time, they're ready and they go out there and play. And you wonder if the Milwaukee Bucks are going to be able to do that. If not, then I'm telling you, you're looking back at the decision that was made, and it was a real quick decision. To fire Mike Budenholzer, <coughs> a little bit of I think it's a mistake. And you tell me, what do you think? You know, the Bucks. Budenholzer is still the head coach. I think he makes it through the season. They don't make the the Griffin change. 
you believe in somebody that's got a track record that's won a championship that has established himself as the leader of the Milwaukee Bucks. You don't have that in the NBA. You don't have too many coaches outside of Pop and Spolstra that stick around in a place for a long time. And I think that's a problem. You know, it's the players' league, the players, um, especially the stars, get the sense that they can do whatever they want. And like I said, going back to the Nets, if the if the Nets are allowing Mikel Bridges and Cam Thomas and Nick Claxton and Cameron Johnson to determine whether Jock Vaughn gets to stay as a head coach, that's a terrible job. Sean Marks should be on the hot seat. What has he done to distinguish himself, even with the ability to get guys like Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving to come play for you? And you added James Harden on top of it. He, he has done nothing but set that Brooklyn Nets team back. I know they got some, some draft picks coming up you know, with the trades of the, of the star players. It's going to be a young team. But I tell you, man, you can't decide on a coach. You know, look, look at the teams that win. You know, it's not like you, you bring in a, a coach from outside and he wins the first year in the NBA. John Horse, when it comes to the Milwaukee Bucks, I think he should be on a hot seat. This is a guy that's that's led this team for what six, seven years. Obviously, he has an NBA championship as a general manager, but you know he's having a hard time deciding on a coach, and I think that's holding the Milwaukee Bucks back right now. If they get it together, and Doc Rivers is the answer, then I think you're forgiven. But if the Bucks slump down to the fifth or sixth spot by the time the season ends and lose in the first round. How much better you do you feel if you're the Milwaukee Bucks after this season and last season if you lose in the first round again? Seems like it's more of a tumultuous situation there. As we jump in to the DeLorean, crank it up to 88 miles an hour and go back into saving sports history, everything I discuss right now will have happened on today's date, the 22nd day of February, obviously the year of 2024, but we're going to go back all the way to the year of 1893 and remember the first Iron Bowl that took place in Birmingham, Alabama, Auburn 32, Alabama 22, all the way back in 1893. 1959 was the first ever Daytona 500. Now Lee Petty and Johnny Baitcamp end up having just about a photo finish. They declare Baitcamp the winner, but after review, they end up giving the race to Lee Petty, the first ever Daytona 500. 1979, Billy Martin, who had managed the Yankees twice at this point, or probably talks about him possibly coming back. Well, he agreed to become the next manager of the Oakland A's. He would eventually become the general manager. And the reason I bring that up is because I'm going to jump around and talk about somebody that was born on this day, the 22nd day of February, Charles Finley. Charlie Finley, the owner, longtime owner of the Oakland Athletics, obviously moved them from Kansas City to Oakland uh, with the, the green and the yellow and just brought a little more uh, life to what was a very beat-up franchise, a franchise in Kansas City that was essentially a farm club for the New York Yankees. And he built through the draft. He got that team good. He assembled one of the better group of players that stood around for probably about a half a decade, 
won three straight World Series championships, obviously didn't want anything to do with free agency, where he basically opted out, started getting rid of players, eventually would concede ownership to a group led by Billy Martin after Martin became the manager. But uh, Charlie Finley, one of the better owners in baseball history, but he didn't want to pay players. And when it came to free agency, he, he knew that that was his time to leave. So if you go back to the year of 1980, one of the more memorable moments in the history of the United States of America took place. The, the United States played in hockey, semifinals. It was the miracle on ice. You, know, you hear Al Michaels' famous call. And one of the biggest upsets, and in my opinion, and I may do a top 10 when it comes to the greatest upsets in the history of sports, it's hard to not put USA against the Soviet Union in hockey and a miracle on ice in 1980 as you know one of the top, if not the greatest upset in the history of professional sports happened on this day in 1980. Longtime Major League Baseball umpire, Hall of Famer Bill Clem was born on this day in 1874. Finley, before mentioned, was born in 1918 on today's date. Sparky Anderson was born in 1934, obviously Hall of Fame manager, three-time World Series champion with the Reds twice and the Detroit Tigers. Dr. J, Julius Irving, was born on this day in 1950. Former Islanders star Pat LaFontaine was born in in 1959. Michael Chang, one of the better tennis players of the 1990s, was born on this day in 1972. 2005, we lost uh, former Pro Bowl punter Reggie Roby, who passed away on this day. And Dennis Johnson, longtime Boston Celtic guard and multiple-time NBA champion, passed away on this day in 2007. This is the Past Ball Show brought to you by JohnPielli.com by St. Aloysius Church in Jackson, New Jersey by two ways. One passion food truck located in Scranton, Pennsylvania. If you're interested in hearing me flap my yap mouth, you can check me out. Apple Music, Amazon Music, Spotify, videos on YouTube. There's also a podcast available on YouTube. If you check it out, whether it's YouTube, TikTok, Instagram, um, Facebook, Reels, I do a top 10. I got 44 of them as I'm trying to quantify the greatest in the history of professional sports, please check them out. But most importantly, if you do, uh, drop a line. I want your opinion. I want your top tens. I want how you feel about the world of sports. God bless you. And as always, I'll see you on the other side. I'm a roster opening day. I have many leather-bound books. My apartment smells of rich mahogany. Why don't you give it all or a majority of it to the team that wins the freaking World Series? I was going to listen to that, but then I just carried on living my life. I may come out as the biggest Major League Baseball manager apologist. And I'll only make someone work just hard enough not to get fired. Because hitters are going out there saying I'm either going to hit a home run or I'm going to strike out. And if I don't get a pitch that I feel like I could drive out of the park. I'm not even supposed to be here today. Especially prospect horrors and hoarders are going to be a little pissed off at me when I say this. I'm a dude There are only two managers in baseball's Hall of Fame who have losing records. One of them is the iconic Connie Mack, who you could say, in spite of winning five World Series championships as a manager, could be in as much as a pioneer. side of the spectrum they're on. Were they pitching? Were they batting? If your favorite team was pitching and a ball got inside to hit a batter, there's no way it could have been on purpose. But if, if you were a fan of the team that was batting, 
and a ball got inside and hit somebody or went behind somebody's head, absolutely 100%, unequivocally, that pitcher was throwing at They put their tail between their legs and decided they're going to do exactly what they're told. You're damn well right. Better give him a contract extension. you damn well right. Better make him the manager over the next series of years. 35 years ago, I could have loaned your parents the money for an abortion. 